Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. This is Keith Fiveson, your host. On this Microdose Wonderland interview, I spoke with Paul Nolan. He's an artist, composer for media and film. He's an educator, immersive audio consultant, and he's been with Maps Music as an industry ambassador, and he's also working with Microdose on a new record label. Paul is very knowledgeable. He's a music engineer, but he's also a music therapist. We had an incredible conversation. Listen in. Hey, 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 it is Keith Fiveson here at the Microdose Wonderland Conference, and we're heading down at the last day, and I am excited to speak with Paul Nolan, who's uh, an incredible artist, comp- composer. He was involved here in one of the events, and uh, it was really amazing from the standpoint of light and sound and the whole experience. And I'm wondering, what does that have to do with psychedelics, and is it like, you know, is it kind of woo-woo, or is there some kind of science to it? Because, you know, most people think about sound and lights and all that. They think it's party down, and you know, but there really is kind of a therapeutic aspect to it as well, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely there is. And that's what the, the performance last night was specifically designed for. So just as a quick introduction, Microdose is starting a record label specifically for functional and for psychedelic therapy music. And it's a kind of a brand new opening, not only in the psychedelic sort of space, because we are learning more and more about the importance of music in those experiences and how therapeutic and how healing it can be. It's also a great opening for artists to be able to express themselves in a way that they maybe haven't done before. Because obviously, as we know, a lot of great art has been made through the medium of psychedelics. You know, when you think of Jimi Hendrix or Pink Floyd or, you know, more contemporary art. Or Alex Gray for that. Or Alex Gray being an amazing, on the visual side, uh, you know, visionary art, if you will. So my my performance last night and, and what I'm hopefully going to be touring with with this concept is very much an expression of that. It's an expression of my own experience. It's an expression of, as we were saying before we started recording, pure physics because I'm an audio engineer. And it's also a, an expression of the other side of my life, which is sound therapy, which is something that I am trained in. So, there is- so you've got this audio engineer background and sound therapy training. So. Let me ask you on both levels from a sensory viewpoint and then maybe even going deep into the experience of music from a psychological and somatic viewpoint, where do you think uh, the whole technology of the music and sound, what happens to people when they're like in the right vibe? Because a a lot of clinics are talking about having the right sound, the right playlist, the right music. Can you talk to that? Yeah, I think music allows us to access the right parts of ourselves. So it really allows us to be able to get to places where without it we couldn't reach otherwise. And and again, that was part of the specific intention of the creative process of this album was to help people to be able to access what it is that they needed to access. Now, you could be incredibly specific about that. One of the things that I decided to do was be incredibly non-specific. I wanted to create a container and be able to create an opaque kind of soundscape and a visual representation of that that is 
easily open to interpretation so people can bring to that experience what it is that they need to bring to that experience in order for them to maybe find some healing, be able to find some growth, be able to let go of some things that maybe they need to let go of. And there's a, you know, there's, there's, there's some technicality to it, but there's also a lot of intention and less scientific and more esoteric kind of elements to that as well. Right, so I mean, but I mean, not all, not everyone here clearly is here to go ahead and you know, work through the somatic elements or the psychological elements. So I'm wondering, do people get the benefit of the music and the sound and the the more the lights and the the, the environment, the creation of the environment? Do they get the benefit still, even if they don't have that intention and they go into it? I think they can. I think definitely because music can also help people shift state. You know, so I had quite a few people come up to me after the performance last night saying. I didn't even know I really needed that after a full day at a conference. I just needed to sit and to just be within myself and just listen and to just allow this experience to wash over me. Because there's also, in, in the container that I created last night, is it was presented in surround sound. The sound system at Wonderland is a next generation immersive audio system that I've also been consulting with the German company DB Audio on. Yeah, I really felt like a full body vibration. It was very strange. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's designed to do. It's very flexible. It's a completely, you know, it's a matrix essentially. So you can do with it whatever you want. And in a in a space like this, you can you can really push the envelope. Uh, and also as well, it's interesting because I you know I do think the full benefits will be found for people when they're in the right set and setting. Which ironically is what we also talk about with psychedelics is that that's one of the most and important aspects and in my psychedelic experiences I know the right piece of music at exactly the right time is a huge catalyst for me so that's what I'm hoping to recreate and the the final version of the album when it is released is going to be in Dolby Atmos as well so you can put on a pair of headphones and get an approximation of what you experienced last night in a headphone environment at home and be able to you know really be fully immersed in that way as well so i want to i want to dig into this a little bit more i don't know if you know gabriel roth and the five rhythms or you understand yeah so you do the five rhythms method so within that method and i want to see if we can kind of draw a corollary maybe meet on the bridge somewhere to really understand what happens because the idea of the five rhythms as i recollect and you probably know you have a staccato, you have a lyrical, you have a harmonious, you have a you have different kind of vibes and chills. So how do they relate to the nervous system? And how does it relate to uh, maybe not only the auditory, the what is it? The, yeah, the auditory, yeah. Auditory. Yeah. <laughs> I don't say that word often. <laughs> sorry. Well. Yes. Well. <laughs> yes. sorry. I did well. Yeah, but but also the visual experience. You know, is yeah. there is there something happening in the nervous system as a as a, someone who's been involved in the therapy part of it? Oh, it's all happening in the nervous system, and as we know, you know, there's uh, the two main factors, right? The sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, I mostly work in electronic music. You know, the big festivals and big raves that you see with like the big name DJs and that really sort of quite aggressive music that's very, you know, rhythmic and very propulsive. That's staccato that you mentioned. And that can, when done well, can induce a very interesting body effect that can be quite sympathetic and almost trance-like. 
when it's not done well, it can really put people into fight or flight. Something I mentioned on a panel I spoke on on Thursday, because I've noticed this trend in a lot of European electronic music that the music's gone very hard, very dark, and sometimes you can feel like you're under attack a little yeah, bit. It's like that Woodstock conference where everybody revolted. God, yeah, incre- yeah, I mean, not quite that bad, but like on its way to it, right? And, and that's, where, that's the nervous system in action. And because as well, you know, a lot of people like to quote this when it comes to sound, you know, we are 70% water and there is a, a resonance that happens. And you know, sound from a physics acoustics point of view Sound is always passing through our bodies. Like my, the sound of my voice is passing through your body right now and bouncing off and doing all. Have you seen that visual, um, the uh, visual harmonic view of uh, sound as it relates to water and sand? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I actually do uh, in some of my uh, sound physics classes that I do. I teach sound physics as part of a, a sound therapy qualification back in England, uh, in Wales particularly, and I literally have one of those plates. If you see the plates where they pour the sand on and you put the sound frequencies through it and it makes all those really interesting patterns. Right, it means yeah. that the, the beautiful music actually looks like a mandala. It really comes out to look like a flower, yeah. whereas when you get into this headbanging, kind of chaotic, kind of, you know, uh, uh, a really uh, staccato music, it really can look like just chaos. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting because those plates are called a Kaladni plate after the guy who invented them, Ernst Kaladni. And it is quite interesting. That's one of the things that I was taught on my sound therapy is, you know, something can't sound right and look wrong. Like there is a correlation between what you see visually and what you hear and the patterns that that can make. So it's interesting that the more the sounds that we resonate with or the sounds that trigger an emotional response, like in a good way or are very elevating, tend to be the more symmetrical, the more perfect sounds, if you know what I mean, and the more perfect patterns. And the ones that are more dissonant tend to create, you know, less, less congruent patterns, if you will. Uh, and, you know, there's a place for both. You know, there's a place for the dissonance in order to maybe crack through some things and you know on, on an esoteric level and then the harmonious stuff can kind of take over the, the fullness of the performance i gave last night is designed for that it's designed to start you up at normal everyday levels that's why it starts with street sounds and you know rain and the normal everyday waking life and then it's just intended to bring you down and by the time you get to the bottom the visuals are all almost pitch black and there's like a, a really wild journey through some pretty hardcore gongs that are there to kind of like help you shed whatever it is from the nervous system that needs to be shed that's being held then to bring you back up in a more you know complete and more integrated state now we were you know i've talked to a few folks that were involved in the technology area really looking at like the shift wave and there's been uh you know the other therapeutic uh capability the light sound ethno digital was here and you know like going into your experience was like a whole other it was like it was actually the like the difference between like maybe going back to the womb versus entering into the womb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were in a pretty big room, <laughs> and, and it did feel like a womb. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I'm I'm just wondering, like, when we walk out of here and we start to take a look at individualized, because big part of my book, uh, the mindfulness experience, is on. Uh, light and sound, creating your own environment. So from your view, what are the things that people can do? You know, they, they have to go to, um, you know, a microdose 
you know, a music uh, production or can they do something in their own home? Are there things that they can listen to, playlists or things that they might be able to, people who are listening that may not know any of this stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, really one of the, the great artists that has really sort of triggered a lot of inspiration in this space is a UK artist called John Hopkins. And his last album is literally called Music for Psychedelic Therapy. And it's specifically timed to be the same amount of time as a ketamine therapy session. So that really sort of broke the doors down in terms of getting people to imagine what it would be like. And I know a lot of people, and myself included, who listen to that every day. They have it on in the background in their homes. They meditate to it. You know, I find I do really focused, deep work listening to that album and music of that type. Um, and yet yeah, people can listen to that and meditate to it, do yoga to it. All of those things are really, really great. So a certain type, I mean, is there a, like a Hertz? Uh, I mean, is there a volume, a certain frequency? Because, you know, people, people you say, tune into your own frequency, you know? Yeah, it's all subjective in my point of view. And this is where I kind of get maybe a little bit controversial and maybe a little bit of a hot take because, you know, a lot of people talk about various frequencies like 528 and 432 and stuff. I fundamentally don't believe in any of it. Uh, I've had well, you're a sound engineer and, a sa and, and also uh, a therapist, a sound therapist. So from that viewpoint, why don't you believe it? Well, because there's solid scientific reasons for it. And also as well, I think a lot of it is down to, there is such a thing as I believe as a musical placebo effect, where it's very powerful because what we're doing is, is that we're projecting onto the music what it is that we need. So I was very lucky in the last sort of five or 10 years of my career. I got to work in Hollywood with some of the big film, film composers. And even though I haven't worked with him, I was, I've been in the room with you know, the likes of Hans Zimmer and stuff. And he said in an interview once that what he was trying to do was- Did you say Hans Zimmer? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's like, uh, that's, he's like the man. Yeah, he really is. And, and even though I haven't worked with him, like I've been in his studio and worked with some of his cohorts, a particular guy called Tom Holkenborg, who's well known as a film composer called Junkie XL. And he said in an interview once, Hans Zimmer, that what he was trying to do is open a door into a world and it's down to the audience member to bring whatever baggage that they need to bring with them into that world and for them to project that baggage onto whatever they need to hear. That's so beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful. that was actually one of the big inspirations behind this album because I knew I couldn't go to a specific frequency or a specific tone because even though I may be you know, potentially healing somebody over here, I might be alienating a whole load of other people. So I'm trying to make this album as inclusive as possible and as like i said before open and as opaque and i'll tell you the whole album's in a minor it's one of the simplest scales that's not because i don't know my music theory it's because it's a very highly deliberate thing because it's a very simple but very emotional scale that people can really resonate with because again if you look at it on a keyboard it's all the white keys starting from a so we say resonate so you know i mean for those that are uh, like looking at the frequency of uh, the vibratory frequency of their chakra systems, you know, uh, like I understand I have a Tibetan bell and I have a D bell, which is really a heart resonance, supposed to be a heart resonance. Do you, do you find uh, any of that with the music and the kind of 
you said A, so I'm just wondering where the coral area is, if there is any, and you think, or, or do you think that might be a, a, some bunk as well? I, I think it's very subjective. subjective. And this is where I, th I get into this whole musical placebo thing, you know? Because again, going back to the different frequencies and stuff like that, you know, we, we talk about these things like they're absolutes. So I'll give you a very small example of this. So a lot of people talk about 528 being like the miracle tone. The only problem with that is 528 is 528 cycles per second. Right. Now the only problem with that is, is that a second in terms of time is a subjective man-made construct. Right. And actually a second today is longer than it was 100 years ago. Right. So actually that 528 is actually of a lower frequency. It might be a slow. <laughs> it's, it's slow and low, right? right. You're exactly slow right. Low, yeah. So it's actually quite a bit lower than what it was 100 years ago. Right. Right. You know? That's so. And then of course, based on trauma or based on other things that might happen to us we might be more hyperactive or exactly. might hypoactive exactly. right so we're either hyper or hypo and then mm -hmm. the real question is is where are we from a biofrequency viewpoint at that mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. and where do we need what do we need to get back into the window of tolerance exactly yeah so one of the the big things my sort of chosen tool sound therapy wise if i was to lay you out on a bed keith and get my tools out are tuning forks so i use tuning forks oh, on the body uh, sonopuncture as you want to call it and one of the things that we were taught was that actually different chakras need different things at different times right. so sometimes what you're doing is say for example you take a you know a, a crown chakra right. you know a crown chakra might actually be overactive uh -huh. at that point and is overstimulated and needs to be brought down so we would use one specific type of tuning fork to bring it oh, down yeah. if one like say for example your heart chakra is very closed and it needs to be brought up into resonance again or up to balance with the rest of the system we'd use another tuning fork entirely to bring a little bit more energy to that to bring it back up so different people need different things at different times and i think it's it's an interesting thing that we're, we're all looking for the silver bullet we're all looking for the one frequency that will heal our dna and the honest answer is i don't think it exists but i do think we have the potential and the power with sound to do that. It's just gonna be different for different people. It's like people have got fingerprints. Everybody's fingerprints are different. Everybody's resonances are slightly different. So that's why the, the only way for me to proceed with this album from a sound therapeutic standpoint was to try and, obviously you can't be everything to everyone. Not trying to be, but I was trying to be as broad a church as possible. Have an open door, if you will, a broad church, a big auditorium for individuals to go ahead and bring their own exactly. their own narratives. Yeah, exactly, and then to bring people together. You know, even though it was a big space last night and there was a you know a good few people there, it still felt like people were together. Now, personally, I mean that space that we did the show last night is very big. In a more intimate setting with the same setup, you can go a lot further because you know, it's pure physics. The sound has less space to travel, less distance, and therefore you can get away with a lot more. And you can do some really, really interesting things with that surround concept and with the, the visual elements in a more intimate surrounding. So this sounds really uh, incredible from the standpoint of uh, sound therapeutics and the ability to go ahead and like package it into a whole kit if you will, you know, from the headphones all the way down to the player, to the, you know, the quality. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, that seems to be where we're going. Do you think there, what do you see the future uh, of, of that whole area for individuals? And where do you see the confluence of the 
technology and the psychedelics and people being able to kind of bring that into their lives to make things a little bit more normal. No, absolutely. I think VR is going to play a huge part. And okay, it's a bit clunky still, and it's a bit, you know, you still look a bit vaguely ridiculous when you've got the headset on. But that technology, I mean, if you look at the new Meta headset that's just come out, the Pro, it's very, it's much smaller, it's much sleeker. Sooner or later, it's going to be like a pair of glasses like you've got right. on right now, right. you know, and it's going to miniaturize and it's going to upgrade the experience and make it feel far more natural. That opens a space for us to be able to do amazing things visually and be able to enhance or even induce certain states of consciousness using the right kind of tools. So, you know, with VR, with a combination of, say, headphones or in-ears that can provide binaural surround sound, there's a huge amount of possibility there, both for people in their natural state and also in a psychedelic state. There's a whole other potential for creating, again, environments. But like, you know, some I know someone's listening right now and they're going, whoa, 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 what, what, what? You know, I mean, we're, are we creating the matrix here? Is this, is this sort of like, you know, like, you know, cosmic goo that we just sort of slip into our tube, put on our headset, you know, put on our VR and just kind of, you know, bathe in an IV? Well, there's a, there's a potential for that to happen, right? And the two things I always like to quote about humanity is that, you know, we're, we are, we are calorie saving devices and we are also prone to take the path of least resistance a lot of the time. So there is going to need to be a level of discipline and a level of, and I mean, it, it, we're talking along the same lines as, you know, having a phone stuck in your hand for seven, eight hours a day. It's a more therapeutic approach. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, like we're, it's not like we're brainwashing people to go out to battle. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, like that movie Ready Player One, like it's not that kind of thing at all. It could turn into that if we're not careful, but it's about the humane use of technology in order to upgrade humanity. You know, um, I actually said to somebody yesterday uh, from, I think it was Mind State Labs, and we were saying about how I'm actually all for VR and all of this next gen technology, but I'm actually pretty anti-AI. And one of the reasons for that is, is that I, re- I read Dune very early in life. I read it when I was like 13 years of age. And there's like a, you know, an 11th commandment in the Bible, which says, uh, thou shalt not make it a machine in the image of a human mind. Because we hand all of our agency over to the machine, right? And for me, it's like, we're inst- instigating all of this with psychedelics and proper use of technology in order to upgrade the human condition, not, like you said, slip into a vat of goo and become a blob. You know, right, right, and of course that's the movie The Matrix, and that's um, one of my most favorite movies. I've seen it about 15 times, if not more. So I have the I have the poster from the movie downstairs in our in our in our basement entertainment room, whatever. But tell me, uh, sort of where we're going uh, with all this, and uh, uh, I'm just wondering from the, and we've got to figure out how to wrap up here. But, because I could probably just kind of continue on with the conversation forever. Uh, but um, uh, from the viewpoint of how people might get a hold of you mm-hmm. 
and maybe some of your music and maybe some of the work that you're doing with Microdose and uh, you know really how to connect in with you because uh, I think you've got a, a real um, incredible fusion of talent around the engineering as well as the therapeutic side. So, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, so Microdose Music is going to be the record label that we are launching in early 2023. And the first release on that album is going to be, on this label is going to be this album, which has a title, it's called Dissolve. Uh, for when you see the show, for obvious reasons, because there's things constantly dissolving, hopefully including your trauma. Uh, that's going to be out early 2023. And in terms of my work, I straddle across the music, therapeutic and film worlds. So I'm easily available on Instagram. If you just hit me up, it's called my, my Instagram is Paul Nolan Sound. Uh, P-A-U-L-N-O-L-A-N, Paul Nolan Sound. And you will find me there and you'll be able to see all the uh, ridiculous experiments that I do because I tend to live five years in the future. <laughs> I love it. So Paul Nolan Sound and uh, Paul, you've, uh, I, I was gonna kind of like do the outro here, if you will. But you know, you're, you, you've said it all, but I could really talk to you for a lot longer. Unfortunately, we have a party to go to tonight. So are, uh, that should be like really crazy, right? Yes, you're gonna see me in my more sort of natural habitat tonight because I'm gonna be DJing at this MAPS after party, which is being thrown for MAPS. All proceeds from this party go towards MAPS, which is an organization I'm deeply passionate about. Uh, because I actually bumped into Rick Doblin again today, and is, and if I yeah, but if I can tell you a very quick story about that, how I ended up working in a voluntary capacity for Maps as a music industry ambassador, was I was literally walking down the street in London last October, about a year or so just passed, and I bought a Maps T-shirt about six months previous because I'd seen Rick on the Joe Rogan podcast, and Joe had one of these psychedelic research department T-shirts on. So I was, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yep, sold. Uh, bought it uh, when I was away on holiday. It was waiting for me when I got home. I'm walking down the street in London towards, uh, just after King's Cross Station. Lovely, beautiful, sunny day in October. And I have the Psychedelic Therapy T-shirt on. Psychedelic Research Department T-shirt on. I get to a crosswalk and Rick Doblin was stood next to me. We literally looked at each other and couldn't believe it. And even today, I caught up with Rick earlier after his panel today, and he's, his mind is still blown a year later about how that happened. Um, we had a conversation half an hour, like half an hour at the side of the road. He then connected me to the team at Maps and all of this amazing work that we're doing to bridge the, the music world and what Maps do is, is very much underway due to that meeting. Some people go, oh, isn't that coincidental? I don't believe that at all. Love it, love it. So I, I really uh, so much appreciate the opportunity to be with you, uh, to hear from you and for you to drop some wisdom. You, you really dropped a perspective that, and we got in some deep stuff here over the short time period. So uh, I look forward to putting on my dancing shoes and kind of vibing. If I don't dance, that's okay too, but thank you for creating the vibe. Thank you very much, Keith. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and I very much agree we could be still sat here three hours from now. <laughs>
Thank you for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience podcast, the Microdose Wonderland interviews. There's more coming up, so stay tuned. Make sure to scroll through all of our podcasts on technology, mindfulness, and psychedelics, and much, much more. Connect with me on social media platforms. Visit my website at workmindfulness.com. This is Keith Fiveson. Thank you again. See you on the next show. Take care.